Hello there and welcome to the show. Thank you so very much for pushing that play button and trusting me with some of your time today. This episode right here is all about Camila Tan. I am actually releasing her presentation. She recently spoke at the Long Beach Convention Center. She was hired by JVA, the Junior Volleyball Association, to speak to young athletes about her experience with an eating disorder. She's in her early 20s. She was a beach volleyball player for UCLA. She still plays volleyball. Thank God she survived her experience so that she can play still and enjoy her life. Many athletes haven't been so lucky. Unfortunately, the stigma associated with eating disorders can cause a lot of denial. People wait too long to do anything about it. So I am so very proud of Camila Tan for using her voice, her speaking abilities, her energy out here in the world to share her message, to raise awareness. Awareness of this very real, very, very real illness that affects so many of us. She is hoping that her voice will touch the lives of other athletes, coaches, parents, friends of athletes out there. How can you behave in order to help? How can you encourage people to come out of their shell and admit they have a problem? I hope you enjoy her presentation right now. Get a pad of paper and a pencil if you want to take notes. Also, check the show notes on this particular episode. I've included some links so that you can find Camila. She has been traveling. Perhaps she can come to your area and give a presentation for your group. My name's Maria. This is the Strong Body, Strong Soul Show. Here we go. Hi, (laughs) Uh, my name is Camila Tan. I am a graduate student at UCLA studying a master's of public health. I'm an aspiring professional beach volleyball athlete. I'm a writer and I'm a poet. I'm a sister, I'm a daughter, and I'm a good friend. And I am committed to recovery from anorexia nervosa, the most deadly diagnosis among all eating disorders. And that is what I'll be talking to you about today eating disorders. There is a strong negative societal stigma today surrounding eating disorders and other mental health issues. This makes it really, really difficult for anyone who's struggling, especially young people, especially young athletes. Those who are struggling with eating disorders have a hard time reaching out, speaking up, just talking about it, approaching the subject. I'm here today because I want to send a message of hope to anyone out there who is struggling that you're not alone. You're not alone and you deserve help and healing and that there is a way out. I'm also here to send a message to coaches and parents. I just wanna empower you a little bit with the knowledge to approach the subject of eating disorders in a way that you might not have been able to before because we need to foster communities of support for young athletes who are struggling. I will tell you this, that if you can find one small way to support a young athlete who's struggling with an eating disorder, you have the potential and the power to change or save their life. So from the bottom of my heart, 
Thank you so much for being here today. So just a little bit of a background on me. I've been an athlete my entire life and it's been a huge part of my identity, something that I'm super proud of. Um, I started swimming when I was a little girl. I started playing baseball when I was seven years old with all the boys and in high school, I lettered in four sports. I played water polo, I rode crew, and of course, indoor and beach volleyball. And I went to UCSD for my first two years of college. I played two seasons of indoor volleyball at UCSD. And then I decided that beach volleyball is the sport that really lit my heart on fire, what ignited the passion in my soul. And so I decided that I wanted to play beach volleyball in college if I could. I heard that UCLA was getting a program and I called up the coach and he said, come on over, you're going to be the first athlete at UCLA to play beach volleyball. And I was so stoked about that. I got to be a pioneer for a program and look at where they are now. Two back-to-back -back natties. <coughs> Go Bruins. <laughs> However, during this time in high school, something else was happening. During this time when I was playing all of these sports, Something else was happening behind the scenes. I started to develop disordered patterns of eating. So let's start with a little bit of context. What's an eating disorder? There are three main types of eating disorders. Anorexia nervosa. This is characterized by restriction of food intake so that it does not match your body's energy output. Restriction of food so that your body's not getting the adequate energy and the adequate nutrients it needs on a daily basis. Orthorexia is a subset of anorexia in which people start labeling foods as good or bad, healthy or unhealthy. This is going to affect my body in one way and this is going to affect my body in another way. This is good for me and this is bad. I will only eat the good foods and I will restrict the rest of the bad foods. And this becomes a real problem when those good foods don't contain enough nutrients or enough energy in them, and it's detrimental to the body. Binge eating disorder is characterized by eating a really, really excessively large amount of food in a very short period of time. People who develop binge eating disorder almost kind of like blackout when they're having a binge. They lose control over their behavior, they don't quite understand the amount of food that they're eating, and they don't stop until they're completely stuffed, completely full, and they feel incredibly guilty about the amount of food that they've been eating. Bulimia nervosa is characterized by binges and also eating normal amounts of food, but then people with bulimia engage in purging, which means that they try to eradicate that food intake from their body. And this means either causing yourself to throw up or taking diet pills, diet teas, laxatives, diuretics, or excessively exercising to the point of complete exhaustion to punish your body for the binge. One of the biggest assumptions about eating disorders is that you can tell who's suffering from an eating disorder based on what their body looks like. However, this is not a true assumption because eating disorders are physical, mental, and behavioral. By looking at somebody's body, you can't tell what's happening to their internal organs. By looking at someone's body, you can't tell what's going on in their mind, their thought processes, their thoughts, their thought patterns, the voice inside their head. By looking at somebody's body, 
you cannot tell the behaviors that they're using behind closed doors. And this is why eating disorders are highly stigmatized, because those behaviors are behind closed doors. People with eating disorder behaviors feel shameful about what they're doing, so they do their behaviors in secret. <coughs> and this creates a lot of false assumptions about eating disorders in society. So these assumptions lead to the negative stigma. And here are a couple of the assumptions um, that I was faced with when I was going through my eating disorder. Here's a lot of things that people said to me. You're really thin. I'm super jealous. And I would, say to, I would think to myself, well, I wish that you could hear the voice inside my head right now. Because I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. One of the assumptions about my eating disorder is that you could tell based on what my body looked like, whether I was suffering or not. However, I have suffered in a larger body with an eating disorder, and I have suffered in a smaller body than what I currently experience now in my eating disorder. Another assumption was that my eating disorder was my choice, that I actively chose to engage in these behaviors every single day because I wanted attention or because I wanted to achieve a certain body type. However, that couldn't be further from the truth because my behaviors served a purpose to drown out my anxiety, drown out my loneliness, and drown out my depression so that I could deal with it more effectively. My restriction served to numb those feelings. So this is my story. It went from one extreme to another. In high school, I would go from two and a half hours of water polo practice into two and a half hours of club volleyball practice, come home, and then study for my test the next day. So late at night, when my family had gone to sleep, I would go into the freezer or the cupboard or whatever I could get my hands on, and I felt compelled to finish that entire tub of ice cream, or I felt compelled to finish that entire bag of chips or that entire box of cookies. And then it was the guacamole, and then it was the cheese in the fridge, and then it was, I don't know how much I ate, and I couldn't stop until I was totally stuffed. And so I would go to bed feeling completely guilty about myself, completely ashamed of what I had just done, and I wouldn't tell anybody. And I'd wake up and try to face the day with positivity and a new outlook, but it was hard. I started to really worry about the weight gain. This binging continued into my early years of college, and I still was trying to fill a void of loneliness because when I went to college, I was kind of shy and awkward and didn't feel like I kind of didn't know how to create a sense of community for myself. Then when I transferred to UCLA, my eating disorder changed changed. It shifted with my environment. <clears throat> when I went to LA, I was for, faced with diet culture. I was faced with the idea that thinness is good and gaining weight is bad. And I thought I had to change my body. I associated the athletes that I was surrounded with by, you know, thinness equates to being a good athlete. I was also lonely. I was the first athlete at UCLA, and I didn't know kind of, or the first beach volleyball athlete at UCLA, excuse me, and I kind of didn't know where I fit in. I didn't have any solid teammates. I didn't have structure. It was a brand new program. That was hard for me to deal with. And so 
I decided I really wanted to stop the binging, so <clears throat> I went the opposite direction. I started to restrict. I started labeling foods as good or bad. I cut out sugar first, and then I cut out carbs. Next it was fats. And before I knew it, I was limiting all of these different types of foods. And then I started losing weight. And then the compliments flooded in. Camila, you look amazing. What are you doing? Camila, you look so fit. You look the fittest I've ever seen you. Camila, you're like the best athlete that I've ever seen. You, you're playing great. You're jumping so high. You're moving so fast. And I think that's when my eating disorder really solidified itself because I finally felt valued for something. I felt valued for the way that my body looked. I finally felt like I was fitting in and getting the recognition that I deserved and getting praised because of my body. And I felt that I had to keep it that way in order to continue to be valued for who I was. All right. <laughs> Derp. So, I want to make the point that my story, of my story of my eating disorder and my recovery has not been linear. It's been like this. I started off being monitored at UCLA um, in an attempt to make a recovery. And they were monitoring me in a way so that I should maintain my weight at a healthy enough weight so that I could continue competing in my sport and um, not lose any more weight and not fall back into relapse. However, I would call this a state of quasi-recovery because I did not do enough mental work. I didn't accept that I really needed to dig deep into the reasons underlying why I was using these eating disordered behaviors to cope with other things. I didn't understand that these behaviors served a purpose for me in dulling out certain emotions. I didn't really understand why I was using the behaviors every day and what purpose they served. So when my environment changed again, when my identity changed because I graduated and I was no longer a student athlete at UCLA, I didn't have that purpose for me. I didn't, um, I didn't have all the structure that I had before. My graduate school environment was difficult. My job was difficult and, my, and I relapsed because of this. My behaviors became a lot stronger. I started restricting even more heavily. I started over-exercising even more. I started binging far more often. And my behaviors got so bad and they perpetuated themselves for so long that I almost died. So then I was really forced to make a choice. And I decided to go, um, I decided to go into eating disorder treatment. This started off with hospitalization. This was the best decision I ever could have made because I, got the, I finally got the care that I truly needed and I finally did the mental work. For six months, I dug really deep and really figured out the reasons why I was using these behaviors every single day. I got help from evidence-based professional people who, were, who are trained to help people out of eating disorders. 
by looking at these photos, would you have been able to tell that this girl is suffering from an eating disorder? Would you have been able to tell on the far right? If you had just met that girl on the far left, would you know? Maybe you would, maybe you wouldn't. Maybe you would know if you had known me throughout all of these years, but it would be impossible to tell just from a first impression or just from talking to me for five minutes. You can't tell who's suffering from an eating disorder based on the looks of his or her body. So why am I here today? I think it's incredibly important for athletic communities to know about eating disorders. Eating disorders are dangerous and deadly. I almost died from mine when it got extreme. Eating disorders are really, really common in athletics. Athletes are given a whole bunch of information on how to fuel their bodies and how to exercise. And if they don't have a healthy relationship with food and exercise, this can turn into an eating disorder really quickly. Eating disorders are silent. As I said, these behaviors are done in secret. Those silence from those eating disorders become shame, and people don't speak up when they really start to struggle. I did not speak up for years. And this is why I say that you can change somebody's life if they're struggling with an eating disorder. You could potentially save someone's life, because in the two weeks before I decided to enter hospitalization, when I was so lost and really, really struggling, didn't know if I was going to live to the next day, random people came up to me and just expressed concern for my well-being, just expressed care for me for who I was, people that I didn't even know. It was a series of events that just blew me away and that shifted something in my thinking that maybe I was worth it, maybe I was deserving of recovery, and maybe it was possible, and maybe I could change. You can change someone's life. How are eating disorders related to athletics? It's important to note that my participation in athletics was not the cause for my eating disorder. However, disordered patterns of exercise and eating can be triggered by participation in athletics. I had a poor body image growing up. And so as I grew up, I was constantly comparing my body to the bodies of girls around me. <clears throat> Fueling for performance versus aesthetics. As I mentioned before, athletes get a lot of messages about nutrition and exercise. How are we fueling our bodies? Are we fueling them to nourish them, to perform on the court? Or are we fueling them to achieve a certain body type? This is important to think about. Societal standards of athleticism. The media is crazy. <laughs> athletic bodies um, that are portrayed in the me excuse me, athletic campaigns in the media showcase a lot of bodies that look very similar. Bodies that are lean, toned, visible abs. I don't see a lot of diversity in athletic com campaigns nowadays, and I think that this really needs to change. This can be confusing for young girls who don't have naturally lean, toned bodies. Social media. How many of you have an Instagram? I have an Instagram. What's up, Instagram Live? 
<laughs> a lot of us have an Instagram. There are a lot of people who build businesses off Instagram, off of diet plans, off of fitness plans. They make money off of people's insecurities because people constantly feel like they need to lose weight in order to achieve something. This can also be really confusing for athletes. Different sports value different body types. Volleyball is a sport that values a thin, lean body type. We run around in spandex. We run around in, um, in swimsuits. Swimming, running, gymnastics, these are all sports that have a high percentage of eating disorders because they value a specific body type. As I mentioned, diet culture is really strong here, especially in LA. We have this culture of thinness is good and a different body type other than a thin, lean one is bad. And then comparisons. Comparisons are the nature of athletics. We compare against the team that we're playing against. We compare who's the best leader on the court. We compare who's the best player, who has the strongest body. It's all comparison. This can feed into eating disorders as well. In my reasons for digging deep, I realized that I wanted to play volleyball for my entire life long. I wanted to have a healthy, active lifestyle for my entire life long. And to do that, I need to recover fully from my eating disorder and not just halfway. And I don't want it to be ever a part of my life again. I'm gonna show you a few photos of my time during my, during my disordered eating patterns. And just to corroborate the point that you really can't tell who's suffering from an eating disorder based on what they look like. This is 2014 when I transferred to UCLA and was engaging in binge eating behaviors probably at least once a week, if not more often than that. This is 2015 when I was still binging a little bit and also starting to restrict foods out of my diet, starting to change my eating patterns a bit. This is 2016 when I was deep and full into restriction and had fully accepted the idea that I would only be valued for what my body looked like if it was thin. This is 2017 when I made a, that really strong attempt at recovery, when I was trying to be the best athlete I could for my final and fifth year at UCLA, when I was gonna try my best to recover to be the best athlete and the best teammate that I could. And this is 2018 when I relapsed, <clears throat> when I went into graduate school and my behaviors came back all with a vengeance. I'm gonna tell you a story of a memory that's etched so deep into my memory, I don't think that I'll ever be able to forget it because it was so scary. One Saturday morning, I had gone out to play beach volleyball with some friends. And the night before, I'd had two panic attacks and I couldn't sleep through the night. When I woke up that morning, I made breakfast of oatmeal, a banana, and some yogurt, something that should have been really easy to di digest. My stomach couldn't even digest it because it was so weak. As I walked down to the beach that morning, there was like a haze over my vision, yet the sun seemed too bright and it was like too overwhelming for my brain. As we started to play, I felt my stomach drop again, like a panic attack was gonna happen again. But I didn't tell anyone, and I kept playing. My legs throbbed, 
and alternated between throbbing completely and going completely numb. I didn't stop, and I kept playing. I couldn't breathe. I was coughing because of my indigestion. I didn't stop, and I kept playing. I felt my heart. It was skipping beats, and it was going really slow and then really fast. It couldn't, it couldn't beat properly because it was so weak. I didn't stop. I kept playing. This is how dangerous an eating disorder can be when it's combined with athletics. I don't think I was ever so close to death than I was on the volleyball court that day. And it wasn't just my body that was so physically compromised, it was also my mind. Because I was so deep in suffering, I was so deep in pain with the thoughts and the behaviors that my eating disorder was causing me that I had thoughts like this. If I die here on the volleyball court, at least it will be in a place that's surrounded by my closest friends where I feel happy, valued, and free, and where I feel like I somewhat know who I am. But then I really started to mourn my state of being because I realized that my eating disorder was so strong that I really didn't know who I was anymore. I was so lost and I was so deep into my suffering with these behaviors that I didn't care in that moment if I lived or died. I also decided that day that I was not going to let my eating disorder destroy me. It had gone too far. But I also decided, I also had to accept that I needed help. And I'd been struggling with it for too long on my own and I needed a way out, but I didn't know how to do it. So I decided to enter treatment that day. I went home and I was assessed and I was hospitalized about a week and a half after that photo was taken. They told me I would be in the hospital for 48 hours just until my heart stabilized. But I was there for two and a half weeks because that's how weak my body was. So when it comes to eating disorders, our knowledge is our power. Awareness about eating disorders is your weapon against developing an eating disorder. I honestly think that if I was more aware of my eating disorder, if I was more aware about eating disorders growing up, that it wouldn't have got, gotten as bad as it did. It's important to be mindful. Do you have a healthy relationship with food? Are you eating food because your body's hungry and you need to nourish it? Or are you eating food to drown out stress, anxiety, and depression? Are you eating food because of emotional reasons? It's okay to emotionally eat every once in a while. That's a normal part of life. But chronically, binging is not a healthy relationship with food. And neither is restricting to, deal, to cope with your emotions. A healthy relationship with sport and exercise. Why are you exercising? Are you exercising because it feels good? Because it brings community? Because you want to get a little endorphin rush? Or are you exercising to punish your body, simply to burn calories because you don't want to gain weight? Our bodies are powerful things, and they deserve to be trusted. We can trust and value our bodies because our bodies are naturally meant to help us maintain a healthy and happy weight. And my healthy and happy weight is going to be different from your healthy and happy weight. We can follow our hunger cues. Our bodies are meant to be trusted. We all have individual needs and biological differences. <clears throat> As I mentioned, we all have genetically different dispositions, and our bodies are going to be happy and healthiest differently.
So with this knowledge, we can protect ourselves from developing disordered eating and exercise patterns. We can support one another. If somebody is struggling, you can support them with this knowledge. We can be well-informed athletes, coaches, and parents, and foster healthy athletic communities. And I think that's what we all want. There's a multitude of things that we can do if we think one of our good friends is struggling with an eating disorder. First of all, just reach out. That's one of the biggest steps that you can do. Just speak up and say that you care. Speak with care, compassion, and concern. Somebody with an eating disorder already has a terribly critical voice and ter terribly critical thought patterns inside their heads. The last thing that they need is more criticism. They need your care and your love. It's important to listen without judgment. When I was deep into my restriction, I know I said some crazy things that wouldn't have made sense to somebody who's not struggling with an eating disorder. The more that you can listen to their experience, validate their experience, and not judge what they're going through, the more that they'll feel loved and accepted to open up even further. Encourage professional help. Family and friends can support each other in incredible ways, but it's really important to seek treatment. Eating disorders are not something that you can try to get, try to just figure out on your own. They are a real medical diagnosis, and you wouldn't try to recover from cancer on your own if you were diagnosed. Eating disorders are arguably um, a very, very serious illness that needs professional help. Some helpful things that you can say if somebody is struggling. I'm concerned for you. I've noticed some changes in your behavior that make me really worried. I want to help you through this. You are not alone. You're not the only one struggling, and I want to be in this with you. I love you and value you for who you are, rather than what you look like. You will be accepted and loved, no matter at what stage you are at in this journey. You are worthy and deserving of recovery. You are worthy and deserving of recovery. What can I do if I'm struggling? First of all, I just want to validate your experience and that having an eating disorder or having a struggle with eating and exercise is not your fault. You're not broken. You're not crazy. You deserve help and healing. It's really important to open up and tell somebody that you trust. Be open with others. Don't be afraid to be vulnerable. Also be honest with yourself. Be honest with yourself. If you are struggling, it's okay, but it's important to tell someone. You can allow people to support you only if you tell someone. Seek treatment. Professional help is invaluable. Prioritize your health. The rest can wait. The world will still turn. You'll, it'll be right here when you get back to it. Volleyball's not going anywhere. It didn't go anywhere for me. It was right there when I wanted to get back to it. Trust and believe that there is something better on the end of this. Our difficult experiences make us stronger people. I really had to trust that there was going to be something better on the end of my recovery, and there was. Remember that we're each beautiful just the way we are.
My beauty does not take away from yours. Her beauty does not take away from hers. And we heal in community. We don't heal in isolation. Eating disorders thrive in isolation, but the second we reach out to our communities, they lose their power. So for me, recovery is an everyday choice. I used eating disordered behaviors for so long to drown out my emotions, to deal with my pain, that I didn't know anything else. I didn't know any other coping mechanisms for a long time. So I ha actively have to use the tools that I've learned in treatment to fight my eating disorder every day. And here are some of the things that I use. Community, again. <laughs> I can't say it enough. I reach out to my supports. I reach out to my family and friends when I'm struggling. I get vulnerable. I tell them how it is. This is what I'm struggling with. This is what I need help with. Can you support me? Prayer and spirituality. I do identify as a Christian. I believe that God has a bigger purpose for me going through all the pain that I did. I believe that spirituality in any form is a really powerful tool against fighting an eating disorder, against fighting that, that voice in your head that speaks falsehoods. Mindfulness about my reasons for playing volleyball. Honestly, mindfulness about everything in life. Why am I playing volleyball? Is it to burn calories? Is it to find community? Is it because I want to punish myself? Or is it because it's so much fun and I love the sport? to come back again. Yeah. People eating. Am I hungry right now? Am I full? Am I anxious? Is that dulling my hunger and fullness cues? Have I not eaten for a while, but I do know that my body needs nourishment every three to four hours? Therapy and treatment. I still go see a therapist. I still go see a dietitian. I'm not ashamed that sometimes I still need help. Often, I still need help. An eating disorder is a really hard thing to tackle by yourself. I'm okay with needing help if that means I can remain in recovery. Social media curating. I unfollowed a lot of people that were sending me messages about diet culture and about losing weight and about looking a certain way. I started following a lot of people that were promoting weight gain to be healthier and accepting their bodies the way that they're at right now and accepting their bodies when they changed. This made my social media a totally different place. Instead of a place where I found a lot of negativity in comparison, I found a place of empowerment. So it's important to understand the messages that your social media is telling you. So I hope that you learned a few things today. I hope that you gain some awareness on how eating disorders develop and why they're dangerous and more common in athletics than we think. I hope that you're encouraged that you are so not alone and that you deserve help and healing if you are struggling with disordered eating or disordered exercise. Coaches and parents, I implore you to check in with your athletes often. How are they doing? How are they doing mentally? How are they feeling? Who are they beyond just an athlete? So I want to leave you with this quote. Athletes' bodies can be powerful, graceful, tough, 
and resilient, but they are also diverse. From gymnastics to archery, swimming to shot put, let's allow our athletes to be inspirations, not because of or in spite of their looks, but for the attitude and the spirit they project in reaching for their goals. Everybody here is worth so much more than what their body looks like. And I want you to take that home with you today. You are valued and you are loved just the way you are, just as you are. Thank you so much for being here today and listening to my story. I sincerely appreciate it. Dear Camila, when your mom was in college, I remember her telling me there's no way she would date a jock. <laughs> of course she met your dad and it was all over. She ended up marrying him. And who knew she would end up with three jock children. And you, you on this path, being such a jock. But I can't tell you all the trophies that you've won, all the UCLA posters that you've been on, all the traveling you've done, all of the accolades from UCLA for your academic achievements, scholarships, master's degree work that you're currently working on, nothing. Nothing could make your mom more proud than what you are doing by sharing your voice to help other people with their struggles. Eating disorders. Wow. Who knew? Who knew that this would be your calling? You were going to make, and you are making, such a huge impact on so many. And I'm so happy to share your voice out here. Listeners, I forgot to tell you that Camila was the flower girl in my wedding. I've known her since before she was born. She's a phenomenal woman. And I'm so happy to share her voice out here with you guys. Please get in touch with Camila if you want more information about what she is talking about or if you would like to invite her to speak in your local area. Camila, I love you. Before I conclude this particular episode, I just want to comment to the parents out there of any person struggling with an eating disorder, especially to my friend Alina and Phil. I've been friends with Alina since high school. She is one of my very best friends. And Alina, I want to assure you, nothing that you did made this happen to Camila. Any parents out there, please know it's not your fault. Thank you so very much, everybody out there, for listening. Thank you, thank you for helping to spread awareness by sharing this particular presentation by Camila or contacting her or reaching out in your own community in your own sports teams and bringing up the topic. 
let the kids know it's okay to talk about. They are so much more than just their bodies. Bless you all, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you.